Good morning. My name is Wilson. It is good to, for the most part, um, be with you this morning. We're going to look at our gospel reading today. Um, it's the story of Jesus's birth, a really familiar story probably to most of us that are listening right now. Um, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25. Um, so this is the story of Jesus' birth as told through the eyes of this guy, Joseph. Um, most of us have heard this story before. And it's a, it's a stunning story. It's absolutely jaw-dropping. But the fact that we hear it year after year and maybe have heard it all growing up can make it kind of so familiar that can go in one ear and out the other. But I really want to invite you to something today. Um, I want to invite us all this morning, this first Sunday in the Christmas season, to be reintroduced to Jesus. That's what this story does when Matthew kicks it off in verse 18 when he says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. It's like he's inviting us into the room and saying, come and look, come see what the Savior is like. Who is this Savior that's finally coming into the world? Who is this child? Um, so we've just come out of the season of Advent. It's a season four weeks long that is spent in waiting, right? And the attention that we give to waiting for a season, to sit in the darkness of the world, to intentionally push ourselves to feel that darkness and to cry out to God is an important thing to do. That's an important season to sit in. Um, I've enjoyed so much going through Advent with this church this year. Callie and I have been doing the Jesse tree. There are, you might, well, you can see our tree back there, but um, doing the ornaments every night with our toddler. It's been great. It's gonna be part of our family tradition. It's a great season to have to sit in, to sit in the waiting for four weeks. But equally important is to set aside the waiting and to come into the season of celebration. We ought to put as much effort to put our, our heart and our mind and our strength into the effort of remembering why it is that we have got hope and joy in this life that we live as Christian people. We need to remember, especially in a year like this one, 2020, that at the end of the day, we are not fumbling around in the dark because we know what God is like, because he has shown himself to us. And this morning, what we need is to, is to be able to start fresh. Like, who doesn't need a fresh start at the end of 2020 to get a clean slate? So, this morning, uh, wherever you are, uh, if you are feeling numb spiritually or feel like you're kind of fading from God, well, like, what a gift it is that every year we read this story again and get reintroduced to who our Savior is. If that's you this morning, take the clean slate. Come see what God is like again. Or are you, are you like suffering in some way? Come, reintroduce yourself to the kind of Savior that Jesus is. The one that bore all of our sins and bore all of our burdens. That knows what it feels like to feel your burden and your suffering. Or um, are you experiencing experiencing all the peace and joy of the Christmas season this morning, like stuff that can only come from the Holy Spirit, then come, drink and eat to the full. Um, come be reintroduced to Jesus this morning. Uh, let's follow this story and let's just ask, what is he like?
Who is this child? Who is the Savior? Let's start at verse 18. Um, verse 18 starts out this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, as soon as we hear the Holy Spirit's name, we know that something incredibly special is happening. This child that we're being introduced to right now is from the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The first pages of our Old Testament in the book of Genesis show us that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth when it was formless and void and brought new creation from nothing. And here he is again, kicking off the new creation on the first pages of our New Testament and bringing forth a child from a virgin mother. So what's that, what that's saying is that the birth of this baby will be on par with the, with the original creation in terms of its mystery and its wonder. And just as the creation shows us so much about our God, we know this, right? His beauty, his creativity, the grace and the kindness that he shows, the fact that he's not a tame lion, that he surprises us at every turn, so will the event of the incarnation Show us God, but in a fresh and in a new way. Um, so how so? The stunning fact is that the firstborn of the new creation has just arrived on the scene by the power of the Holy Spirit himself, yet in a way that is borderline scandalous in how ordinary it is. In this story of Jesus' birth, we're seeing the miraculous works of God here, but we're seeing it through human eyes. Like we said right at the beginning, through Joseph's eyes, just like the story is told, um, just like the sorry, just like the story in Luke is told through Mary's eyes, this one in Matthew we've got through Joseph's eyes. We learn about this miracle of Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit, as situated in the conundrum of a very ordinary man named Joseph. So look at verse nineteen. Um, we've just learned that Mary is with child from the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So, why does God do it like this? Why does God bring the drama of a human family into his master plan, his story of salvation. Verses 18 and 19 are like a shock right next to each other. We've just learned that a virgin is with child from the Holy Spirit, from God himself, and then the next verse goes straight into the conundrum of this man who's found this out, puts two and two together, and decides, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to go through the marriage, you know, what am I going to do next? Why does God, why does God put these two things together? Why the extraordinary and the ordinary right together like this, the simplest answer is that this is just what our God is like. Augustine once said that, um, that God created us without us, but that he will not save us without us. God involves us in all our ordinariness and all our humanness in his work of salvation. It shows how incredibly humble God is. I mean, wrap your mind around that. How incredibly humble the creator of this universe is. 
And it shows us how humble Jesus is. Look at this. So Jesus is the king, right? He is the king that's on David's throne. But the stunning fact is that he is called king that came from Israel because Joseph takes him into his line. God, shockingly, chose to use the faithfulness of an ordinary man to seal his son's kingship. So if you, if you flip back in your Bible, if you look at chapter 1, um, Matthew famously starts with a big, long genealogy, which is absolutely baffling to us as modern readers. Like, don't you know that season 1, episode 1 has to catch you so that you keep watching the show? Um, but to Matthew's original hearers, this would have been a hook. Matthew 1.1 says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He highlights that Jesus, first and foremost, even, even before being a son of Abraham, is the son of David. Which is saying that this person to be born is the long-awaited son of David who will sit on David's throne, the king, the Messiah. And we learn at the end of genealogy that Joseph, is actually the one that is in David's line. That's why the angel comes. That's why the angel intervenes. It's Joseph taking Mary as his wife, calling this boy his own by, by naming him, as the angel says. It's that action that situates Jesus in the line of David and makes him a king. God, in his great humility, uses this ordinary, faithful person to seal what he's doing in the world. So we've come into the room, we're introducing, we're reintroducing ourselves to Jesus the Messiah again this morning by looking at his birth and we're asking, what's he like? Who's this child? And what we've seen so far is God's extraordinary work by the power of the Holy Spirit, yet a work that is wrapped up in the humble ordinariness of human life. We've seen the extraordinary and we've seen the ordinary that is about Jesus. And that really is the shock of it, the incarnation, that Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. The great shock of Christianity. That our God would come to us, yes, but he would come utterly vulnerable, taking on human flesh and relying on a human family to, to take care of him and to make his human life possible. But let's keep going past that and let's, let's see what our Savior will do. So look at verse 21. Um, the angel intervenes and is talking to Joseph in a dream and says, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's a lot going on in Jesus' name. Um, so Jesus is Greek for the Hebrew name Joshua. A lot of little boys in that, name would have, in the, in that day would have been called Joshua. Um, and Joshua means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. So when God wants this child to be named Joshua, what he's saying is, I want this child to be named Yahweh saves, and I want people to think about the character Joshua, the one who finished Moses' work, who brought the people of Israel out of their exile in the wilderness and into the promised land, beating their enemies in the, in the meantime. And that's what Jesus will do. Jesus will complete the work of Moses. What Moses' law could never have done. He will save his people from their sins, crush their enemies, who will are the enemies of sin and death, namely, and will bring them into the promised land. He's a mighty savior that rescues us from the slavery of sin, fights our battles, and brings us home to God. 
And all of that, all of that we've just talked about leads Matthew to scoop up this verse in Isaiah, the one we read earlier in our Old Testament reading, and hold it before us. So look at verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of this, the Holy Spirit's miracle act, the humility of Jesus coming as a human being, the human family folded into the plan of God, the birth of the Savior into the world, all of this can be summed up in a name, Emmanuel, God with us. And this, at the end of the day, is who we meet when we're introduced to Jesus again. When we're introduced to Jesus, we are seeing face to face, literally, God is with us. So this is really the miracle that that we have to come to grips with. Like everyone wants to debate the virgin birth and like what evidence is there and can we really believe that? Do we need to believe that sort of thing? We get no explanation from Matthew or like even the smallest attempt to, to prove by some other means that Jesus really was born of, of the Virgin Mary. I, the reason is that it's a mystery on par with the original creation. There is no explaining it. There's just wonder and mystery. What the bigger thing that we actually have to wrestle with is whether God can and would act like this. The big mystery is, would God really care enough about humanity to come himself to us, God with us, as one mighty to save from everything that holds our hearts and our lives in the death grip? As one writer said, what, what should startle us, what should stun us, is not that Mary is a virgin, but that God refuses to abandon us. That's the stunning thing. And this, ultimately, is what the birth of Jesus the Messiah shows us about God. We're reintroduced to Jesus this morning as God with us. And this is what it means, concretely, for God to be with us. It means the stunning act of God from above and the shocking humility of a baby in a trough. But there he is, not abandoning us, the Savior of the world, and exaltation and humility. You can believe this miracle this morning because this lines up with everything that we know about God. Everything that we've seen about him. Like, just look at creation and see the extraordinariness and the ordinariness. We walk around every day and like hardly notice the creation around us and yet at any moment it can take our breath away. So I walk around our neighborhood all the time and there are trees and grass and there's beautiful things everywhere that I hardly notice, I'm just lost in my thoughts, but there's one moment when I'm coming around the bend and get to the top of a hill, and I see the mountain range of West Virginia. And if the sunset is hitting that just right, it's absolutely breathtaking. That's what God is like. That's kind of what we see here in the incarnation. That's, that's what we see in his plan to save the world. His, his extraordinariness and his utter ordinariness, his involvement in the little, the little pieces of our lives or look at scripture that we read, like scripture is the living and active word of God, breathed out by God himself, and yet, as we read it, we can hear a human voice on every page. God talking to us in a way that we understand. This is how God acts again and again, in majesty and in humility. And this is how Jesus' life is going to play out, right? Aubrey pointed out last week that Jesus is the king, and yet he has nowhere to lay his head. He's lifted up so that all nations are drawn to him, but he's lifted up on a cross 
He defeats death. He defeats every oppressor. But he does it by absorbing the violence done to him, not by executing violence himself. Reintroduce yourself to Jesus again this morning. God is with us, but as one of us. He brings us out of the slavery of sin and death and into the promised land. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is the reason that we celebrate for 12 days. God is with us. Merry Christmas. Amen.